Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, Head of UK Rate Strategy, and I'm joined today by our Global Market Specialists, Giles Gale and Janna Brucey. Um, okay, it's been a bit of a quieter week, but I think, um, well, certainly from the client conversations that we've been having over here, focus has been very much on um, the debt ceiling. And I think that's what's been driving market moves this week. So I'll start with you, Jan, and perhaps really the only question is, what what's the update then? <laughs> what's your latest view on that? And, and what should markets be watching out for really over the next couple of weeks? So the next couple of weeks are uh, the next couple of weeks is when the real crunch time begins with respect to the debt ceiling. And just to provide a rough timeline for listeners, uh, currently Treasury's cash balances are about ninety-four billion as I'm as I'm recording this. Uh, that in the scope of deficits doesn't sound that much. Uh, we will see some outflows, but really the key risk period is the first week of June, in my mind, uh, when we model out expectations for what the end-of-day balances could look like. Uh, you know, the June 2nd, June 6th, those are all very, very tough days, June 1st, because seasonally the beginning of the month has a lot of uh, big outflows that the government uh, has to uh, has to meet, such as uh, payment for active duty military service members, uh, veterans, uh, all sorts of supplementary income uh, payments that go up. It, it's a pretty lumpy day when it comes to seasonality. Uh, but once we get past the, and if we manage to get past the, let's just say the first 10 days of June, then the next key uh, point is the middle of the month when corporate tax dates start coming in. Uh, corporations file taxes quarterly. So uh, presumably a couple of days before June 15, we will see a pickup in revenues. And that, uh, in our view, will provide about $150 billion or so of extra cash uh, to work with. That includes other taxes as well, which gets us to end, end of the end of the month, that should be enough, uh, comfortably enough time to get to the uh, to end of June. And at that point, uh, there's another set of so-called extraordinary measures uh, that will be unlocked. I'm not going to go into too much detail how that uh, will play out because those are mostly accounting gimmicks. But the important thing is it's about $145 billion of debt issuance space that will be unlocked, uh, which, again, gives us Called two or three weeks with, uh, with uh, high confidence that there won't be a default. And then we get to the end of July. From there on, we don't really have, a, uh, we don't really think on any given day, Treasury would be able to meet their, uh, their outflows, particularly from the beginning of August. Of course, we expect the deal to be reached much sooner than that. Uh, there has been talks about, well, at least news have been reporting of constructive talks between not just staff members, but even the top, uh, you know, the top players in both parties are now being more more vocal about the possibility of something coming out. So, uh, and markets, I think, have priced it somewhat with a little bit of a risk-on move, uh, as you see in equities, a little bit of a sell-off in, in rates, kind of as you would get alongside risk assets. And if we do get something, uh, presumably it would be over the weekend. Uh, so the real, the summary there is that the first week of June is the crunch period. If we get to the middle of June, then we're good for another month and a half. So even if there was an extension, we would think it would be a longer dated extension, something that goes to maybe next year, but most likely even up to 2025 post-election, uh, post because there really doesn't seem to be that much uh, interest, neither from the Republican side or from the Democrat side, of a shorter dated extension uh, of the debt ceiling. No one wants to deal with this again in two months, uh, but it somehow keeps coming up every two years. 
<laughs> it does keep coming up. I guess the kind of election timeline also plays into that, that they want to have, you know, they don't want to be bothering with this in, in the run up to an election. So in that scenario, then how are you expecting markets to react to, to that kind of a news flow if that's how this unfolds? It would, in a scenario, assume that we don't default uh, <laughs> if the a deal is reached. I mean, the most straightforward answer would be a sort of a risk-on type of possibly even a little bit of bear steep in the curve. Uh, we held a, a webinar yesterday. There's a detailed note for clients who listen. We could uh, you know, just reach out to us and we'll share if you haven't seen it. Uh, but we also look at similar uh, debt ceiling episodes 2011, 2013. And interestingly, during those periods, rates did rally a little bit. 2011 was the European crisis, so it's very hard to disentangle that from the net impact on, uh, net impact on US yields. Uh, but in 2013, uh, around when a deal was reached, so if we center the deal date as as your zero, you would see a, a, a rally through uh, when a deal is agreed on. So I think, of course, 2013 was a different macro environment. 2011 was a different macro environment. Today is, again, a very, very different outlook where the central bank has already done a lot. Uh, so maybe uh, there won't be too much for the front end to give. Uh, we could, again, we could see some bear steepening, but I think most of that in rate space has been priced out. It does feel like it's a more of a commodity, perhaps a relative, relative, you know, like FX story. I don't know if it's too much of an outright uh, interest rates. There's a lot of interesting things going on in uh, swap spread space, for example, because a lot of these shorter dated swap spreads got uh, they suffered a lot on, because of the debt ceiling. That might reverse a little bit, but uh, as we pointed out, it, it is a little bit of a lose-lose situation for those because even if the debt ceiling is resolved, that means Treasury now has to refinance, uh, will issue a ton of debt in order to get back cash levels to where they want to, uh, and th that extra collateral coming to the market will have an impact. It's very likely to have an impact on on short-dated swaps and keep them uh, in, in tight and uh, low ranges. I have a question for you um, <laughs> that I'm going to ask Imogen, but uh, I, I guess you know, it, it, it's not likely that we'll have a, a resolution on this by the time this podcast comes out. So we're uh, at least going to avoid that one. But um, I suppose that there might be one, you know, I mean, what if, if you were being optimistic, what, no, when, when's the earliest that you think that we could uh, we could have a resolution on this? Because I know that you are more optimistic and clearly the, the media sort of commentary consensus has been shifting in that direction. Markets have been reacting to that in the last couple of days. Um, but what's, you know, what, what's your view there? I think if, if there was one, it would be over this weekend. It, it wouldn't be that surprising because despite the stereotype of Congress moving very slowly, they also have the uncanny ability to produce uh, 2,000 page bills over <laughs> overnight, uh, which I imagine is not very fun for a lot of staffers, but it, it does end up being the case. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's see. Let's see. Um, I think... We'd all welcome that, to be honest with you. We could move on with our lives and markets. So, and moving on in the podcast, let's go to Imogen. Um, I've got a couple of questions about the UK for you. Uh, right. So, this week we've had we've already had some key some key data. There's more coming out next week. Uh, maybe you can just tell us how that's influencing your thinking about the UK cycle and the Bank of England. 
Yeah, so next week we have inflation data. Um, that will be pretty important because it's going to be the first print which really sees the kind of extent of the energy base effect, you know, being a year on now from, from that spike in energy prices. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, you know, we're in line with consensus when we expect a fairly rapid fall in inflation, uh, in headline inflation over the next couple of months. Um, and next week's data will be the first of those drops. So we expect headline to come back down to just over 8% from, you know, double digits last month. So a pretty reasonable drop that, that continues in the months ahead, we think, you know, we have headline inflation getting back to just below 6% by July. So, um, you know, that's a, a very sizable fall or downward trajectory, which coupled with the labor market data that we had this week, as you referenced ours, and I won't go kind of into all the nitty gritty of the details there, but I think really the takeaway from that labor market data was that there is evidence of cooling demand and an increase in supply for labor. And although the wage inflation data perhaps wasn't didn't moderate as much as the Bank of England would like to see that, you know, to the extent that we are seeing this cooling of demand and, and loosening, I guess, in, in labor market conditions, that should be meaningful for wage inflation and, and certainly for inflation expectations further down the line. So, you know, to the extent that we're in this scenario where we have the Bank of England that are in an evidence-driven mode. And then we had Hugh Pill on Monday tell us that he was, you know, hoped that the um, Bank of England was done with rate hikes. To me, that now suggests that the onus is on the data to prove that further tightening is is required. Um, And we just don't think that, you know, this week's data on the labour market side and next week's data on the inflation side um, is really going to contain that that evidence that, that further tightening will be required. Um, And to the extent that, you know, it's been this kind of these upside surprises on both the inflation data and the kind of survey and and growth data that have driven some of that underperformance of of front end rates in the UK, um, I would expect to see some of that reverse. Um, You know, as we leave the desk now to, to come and record this podcast, markets are still pricing in two full, well, basically two full 25 bit hikes before September, which which feels like a lot to me, given, you know, the the data backdrop that we see. Um, I think Bailey's speech this week, well, there was a lot in it, but one of the important points when it comes to putting that market pricing into context was that he talked about the difference between the Bank of England's um, modal and mean forecasts in that the mean forecasts, um, which are A, conditioned on the market path for bank rates, so what the market's currently pricing in, but B, also take into account these kind of asymmetric upside risks, which the modal forecast doesn't do, inflation still gets to below 2% over their two to three year horizon. So, um, you know, in other words, the market pricing is kind of priced for the worst case scenario, if you like, on inflation, um, which we just don't expect to materialise. And we expect that to become evident over the next couple of months, starting with next week's print. Next, uh, this morning, we had the Treasury Select Committee. Um, Now, what came out of that? Yeah, um, a bit mixed. I mean, it, it caused a bit of a stir in markets, but I think really part of that was just 
Bloomberg misreporting what Ramsden actually said. Um, he hinted at the fact that there may be some, some small increases in the pace of QT further down the line, possibly. Um, and, you know, Bloomberg ran with this headline that it's likely that the QT pace is set to increase. Um, but actually, you know, what, what he said was they're probably not going to do less, given that they think that the market has kind of handled relatively well what they've done so far. But when they talk about doing more, um, probably the upper limit in terms of what their assessment is of what the market can absorb is only something like an additional 20 billion of, of run total rundown in the balance sheet. So currently their uh, plan for this year, the 12 months from September 22 to 23, is to run down the balance sheet by about 80 billion, which includes active sales and the natural runoff of, of the redemption profile. And he said maybe that could increase to 100 billion. So we're talking about very small margins here anyway. And when you look at what the runoff, pro, you know, the redemption profile is in the years ahead, actually, even if they increase the kind of shrinking of the balance sheet to 100 billion, that doesn't really imply a, a much greater pace of active sales than, than what we have already, given that the redemptions increase. Um, I guess there's an important distinction to be made between the pace next year, though, and the pace in the next quarter, because I do think they have to slightly increase the pace that they do over the next quarter just to meet the planned rundown of, of this year. But that's not really a, a significant increase in kind of, you know, the amount of, of paper that the market will, will be left to absorb. But I think the key takeaway really, which is actually more important and didn't receive much attention, perhaps because it's everyone's base case and kind of consensus now, um, but it's just that, you know, QT, they expect QT can continue really once they take their foot off the gas when it comes to tightening rates and probably ease, even in the scenario that they're cutting rates. Um, I think QT and active sales can continue in the months and years ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and lastly, uh, we recently had a, was it a 40 year syndication, uh, pretty pretty decent order book, I suppose. Um, but how does that make you think about supplier risks looking ahead? Yeah, I didn't think the size of the order books in the last two syndications, but also, you know, the bid to cover ratios that we see in the auctions, probably the biggest pushback that we've had against this view that, you know, a long held driver of our bearish view is about the supply demand imbalance and just this fact that there's no natural buyers of, of gilts out there and that clearing price has to cheapen. So yeah, I guess I'll just, you know, repeat the point that it was another big order book, but that again didn't come without a fairly significant concession. You know, we'd thought perhaps that fair value of the new bond was closer to kind of 65 plus five basis points and it actually came um at 65 plus six and a half. So um, you know, these this demand and, and the size of these order books in a similar way for the linker syndication aren't coming without a, a concession in gilts both outright and on a cross-market basis. Um, and, you know, I, I just expect that to continue. I don't think I need to repeat the, the points on this pod, but expect that to continue in the weeks and months ahead. And then on the supply side, just the other thing to watch out for in the UK next week is that we'll have the quarterly meeting uh, with gems and investors from the DMO on Monday. So we'll get 
the minutes in the first half of next week. Um, I don't think there should be too much surprising there, but just one thing we'll be watching out for um, is on the investor side, um, anything around demand for, um, really for linkers, you know, I was kind of surprised that the DMO have announced their intention to hold another linker syndication as soon as the first half of July. Um, so just we'll be watching for, for any indication that the natural buyer of those bonds, i.e. LDI, um, are planning to return to the market sooner than, than we were expecting. Okay, I think that's probably enough on the UK. So let's move over to Europe then, Giles. I think Europe has probably taken a little bit of a backseat this week to, um, well, well, I think everything's taken a backseat to, to debt ceiling negotiations, but there's at least been a, a little bit of data in central bank speak of, of note in the UK to talk about. Um, so what has actually been happening in Europe? What, what's been driving fixed income there this week? Yeah, the backseat's one way to put it. I mean, you <laughs> Let's say that maybe you know they opened the door and got out at the traffic lights. Uh, you know, very very little <laughs> been happening in, in in European rates. I mean, it, it, all the all the direction of running has really been um, you know, dictated by risk sentiment, I, I guess, which has come mostly from the debt ceiling <laughs> roller coaster, uh, for lack of a better image. Um, and alongside that, of course, there's also you know, questions about the the U.S. banks, and you know, so uh, I mean, what's good for the in terms of debt ceiling news is good for that, and uh, you know, there was some you know, some other better news there as well. So you know, really taking our direction from from the U.S. Um, at this point, and you know, so so rates are higher, um, and we've had some strange curve movements. I mean, yesterday, for example, we had a big big bearish flattening um, to the extent that we actually had a big sell-off in front end, big rally in the long end. Now that looked overdone and sure enough, today we're bearish steepening. Um, you know, so from the perspective of our sort of long-held views, our strategic views, I would say that you know, broadly speaking, you know, things are tracking the, in the right kind of direction, but you know, there hasn't really been a lot in our world to, to 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 add to to momentum or conviction to be honest one thing you have been keeping busy with this week is client conversations so i guess it's a good time to to catch up with them all when there's not a huge amount else going on what kind of things have they been interested in what have what have they been asking you about well, I mean, really, you know, I think I think the the clients have exactly the, the this, this problem. I mean, they they want to know that they're not missing something, and you know, it doesn't. Often, when there are big themes, you know, you don't need necessarily to have people like me tell you about them, uh, or you know, maybe you know, we can give you an opinion on them, but uh, you know, when it, it's not like you're likely to be missing them. So, you know, I think that people are casting around for the next. You know, so the, the the big ideas, and so you know that's also generating some you know, generating lots of conversations. But you know, on that on 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 the, the, from, from our client conversations, it's really pretty clear that you know, they're also suffering for for conviction, um, and so there's a lot of. You know, Sort of people you know, rolling up their sleeves and looking at relative value and um, you know, sort of supply type trades, um, <coughs> and you know, I mean that's that's fine. I mean that's kind of 
the way that things normally are actually and you know, perhaps over the last 18 months we've you know become kind of ad adrenaline junkies <laughs> because everything everything's been so so volatile and so so macro and we just have to accept that actually you know things uh, might be a little bit quieter for uh, for longer um you know famous last words i do hope so but look um i mean you know recurring questions um uh, not 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 that many that i would even highlight to be honest on the on the uk side so on the Euro european side i mean people are looking forward to you know, what what volatility looks like seasonally you know what kind of you know what's what how are we setting up for the summer for example um, you know, a lot of focus I guess on you know, this this last phase into the you know, into the pause which we expect before the summer from the ECB and then you know, how long is you know, could the lags be before we have to have the turn questions about things like tltros i mean you know that's not until the end of next month tltro of um the the big tltro D, tltro repayment and you know, i think that people are trying to figure out well okay is there going to be some stress in in, in btp spreads or in btp funding or in european banks broadly because you know there's a big drawdown in bank liquidity and could that uh, you know cause any accidents i'm not all that excited about any of those things actually right at the minute um yeah, so i dare say we'll come back to them anyway when we're a little bit closer uh, there's also been quite a bit of interest in in ratings uh, we talked about that on the podcast last week i won't go into it any further you know i think that excitement uh, about changes to Italy's ratings are really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Um, there is nothing to see here at all. Um, all the indicators are better. Uh, I can't really see any um, any trigger there. And so, but you know, really what people are latching onto here is it, you know, Italian spreads in particular are conspicuously you know, stable. They, I mean, really remarkably stable. If you look at a historical chart, it's almost like, you know, the um, I'm not quite sure what that machine that measures your heart rate in a hospital looks like. You know, <laughs> at the point of death, it just flat lines. Yeah. So that's it. Um, no, so something at some point is bound to happen, I dare say. But um, I don't have uh, the answer for what that will be. And I don't think it's going to be imminent. <laughs> okay. Well, we can all do a quiet week every now and again. Uh, all right, then. Thank you for joining me. Uh, hopefully next week we're talking about something other than debt ceiling negotiations uh, and Italy's ratings, because you're right, I do think that <laughs> is scraping the bottom of the barrel a bit for themes in Europe. Uh, thank you to our listeners for listening. Uh, and just a reminder, if you liked today's episode, please don't forget to hit the like button and click subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks. See you next week.